Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have you with us and Boy, we've got a jam-packed show today. The NBA playoffs are underway, and certainly a series that looks interesting. In the East, the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks. That's the uh, 5-4 matchup. We're going to hear from Hawks play-by-play man Steve Holman. Boy, long-time Atlanta Hawks radio play-by-play guy. And then Jim Jones, first of all, welcome to you. And then you have once again pulled out a... A, another legend to uh, get comfortable in that legend's chair. Yeah, and his name is Mike Glenn, and Mike Stinger Glenn. He used to do color on television uh, for the Hawks. He played for the Hawks and various other teams, but uh, he's most well-known for playing with the Hawks and the Knicks. But uh, Stinger now, he does pregame, uh, halftime, and postgame television for the Hawks Network. And I thought that since we were talking so much about other teams and everybody's talking about the Knicks, but Tim, nobody's talking about the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks have the second best record in the NBA, had the second best record in the NBA since March 1st, Tim, and nobody's talking about them. What a job Nate McMillan has done. Unbelievable. Yes. So, yeah, so we're going to talk to Mike Stinger, Glenn, and we'll also have Steve Holman, the Hawks play-by-play boy. So a busy Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams coming up. Stay with us. We'll get it rolling right after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Uh, 
good stuff on the other side of the window as we welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, and on the other side of that window, Marty Allen dialing up some great music for this edition of Cavs HQ. Marty joined by, of course, Leo Simone and Kurt McLaughlin. Great to have you with us this week for Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, and Jim Jones, once again, that black book of yours has produced a great guest to settle into the legend's chair. So I'll let you do a quick introduction. This gentleman was classically way ahead of his time, Tim, in shooting three-pointers. Mike, I'm trying to remember, have I ever seen you miss an open shot? I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen you miss an open <laughs> shot. You, uh, you are uh, too kind, Jim. Thank you uh, very much. Classic this is gentleman Mike that Glenn. you are. Yeah. Yes, but I, I feast off those open shots. I take as many of them as I can get. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and so faithful, our fans, this is the great Mike Glenn, affectionately called Stinger. We got to start there. So Mike Stinger Glenn, and for uh, Cavs fans and basketball fans, uh, the origination of the nickname. Where did Stinger come from, Mike? Okay, thank you very much. Well, I was in the Knicks camp. Uh, Willis Reed was head coach that year. We're talking 78, 79, a few, few moons ago. But anyway, uh, Willis had invited this guy named Pop Green from Southern University, and he earned his nickname, you know, in professional sports. You always got to earn your nickname. You can't just be given something that you don't earn. He earned the name Pop. He could pop the nets. And he saw me shooting before and after practice. He said, my goodness, this guy's just stinging the nets, man. Every time he shoots, it just stings the nets. Man, I'm going to start calling you Stinger, you know. And I just thought, oh, right, 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 right. But it caught on so quickly before I knew it. Earl Monroe was calling me Stinger. Jim Clemens, who, of course, played with Jim Jones on those great teams that they had. And then one game, I was on the bench and up ready to go in the game. And Red Hoseman, the legendary coach of the Knicks, said, Stinger, come on in. <laughs> and so, from then on, it was official. And now Jim and Tim, uh, even when I was at Merrill Lynch, I'd call some former players about investing money. And I'd say, hello, this is Mike Glenn. And they say, who, who? Oh, it's the Stinger? Why did you say you were the Stinger? <laughs> so it became so official, like those guys whose nickname is bigger than their real name, you know, like Magic and those kind of guys. So that's how I got the nickname Stinger, and it just stuck unexpectedly from that training camp with the Knicks in the 78 season. Now, I have to tell you, Mike, Stinger, that uh, during these Cavs <laughs> HQ shows, I have learned that Jim Jones's nickname was Crusher. Crusher Jones. Yeah, that was L.A. That's that a was new one. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, well it, it was pretty simple because if you understand Kareem, he always needed a, a bruiser or a power forward next to him. You remember Cornell Warner and yep. uh, some of the other guys. that you know, and, and most of the times that's the way you do it so your center doesn't take the beating. Mike, of course, we're talking old school. And uh, right. and, so, and so they used to call me the Crusher because I had to guard Moses, doggone it. I guarded <laughs> Moses. I, I know, man, because, you know, Kareem couldn't guard him. You know, we needed him to <laughs> score. Right. You know, so I had to guard all those guys, and uh, the name just came about. It was sort of a motivating factor, too, because everybody, because Magic would look at me and he'd make this big C, and he said, Crusher, come on in the game, man. We need you. <laughs> 
So the, the so it just so it just stayed. So see, so you had to earn stayed. that too, didn't you, Jim? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Oh, Tim, you got me on that one. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Yeah. Well, Mike, you had a terrific NBA career. Ten years. Uh, you mentioned the time with the Knicks, and of course, uh, a year with Buffalo. Uh, probably best known mm-hmm. for your time in Atlanta, four years with the Hawks, and then two with the Bucks. And as you mentioned, you yeah. kind of parlayed that uh, into a very successful post-playing career, both on the financial side, and now you're involved with the broadcasting end of the Hawks, correct? Yes, sir. I've been doing broadcasting now for this is my 26th year. Many of those years I was the analyst, and uh, now I'm mostly the analyst on the pregame, halftime, and postgame show. But uh, broadcasting has kept me close to the game and run across guys like Jim that I always I really enjoy meeting and seeing again some old friends and foes. So that's kind of what uh, my life has been like over the last 26 years, and it's, a, it's been a pleasure staying affiliated in that way. Stinger, you're way too modest. I was going over this bio you sent me last night, and I had no idea. Listen. You have accomplished more after basketball. You know, you were a successful broker. I did some brokerage work, too, for Merrill Lynch and Prue Bage. So I understand uh, how uh, poignant that job is. Boy, the pressure. But what's been a motivating factor for you? Was it your home life? Was it growing up? Give our fans, especially our young fans, you know, I know you're a great motivational speaker, but can you just give us some basics on what motivated Mike Glenn to be so successful during his career and after? Jim, thank you very much for those kind words. Yes, indeed, man. I was just so blessed to have some phenomenal parents. My mom was an elementary school teacher, and I was uh, actually in her class in the third, fourth, and fifth grade. So oh, I had teaching at home and at school, <laughs> and it was always at home throughout my life. And my dad also was a teacher. He had majored in mathematics, and uh, he coached at Georgia School for the Deaf. He, he coached basketball gym, high school girls and boys, and uh, he also was a mathematics teacher, and that, of course, was my major into mathematics and my entree into that world. But, Jim, how I got into basketball, he was coaching his girls and boys high school, and I went to the gym with him, Mom, and let me go to practice with him at about seven years old, and I was just walking across on the gym floor, and all the girls, these are high school deaf girls, they ran up to me. I'm this little kid, and they picked me up and started kissing me on the jaw, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you don't know how to appreciate those kisses at that age like you can later on in your life. So I started right. yelling, Dad, help me. These girls are packing <laughs> me out here. And he explained to me then, Jim. He said, Tim, he said, you're going to have to learn sign language. These girls are deaf. He says that means they can't hear or talk to you, but they want to be your friend, Mike. If you want to be oh. their friend, you're going to have to learn some sign language. And I decided right then at seven years, okay, Dad, I'll learn sign language. And it was those girls on his team that just embraced me and started teaching me my ABCs and basic signs and dribbling and shooting and clapping for me and encouraging me. And, uh, that was my entree into basketball and basketball camps for deaf kids and also uh, just becoming a basketball player and wanting to be a great player like the players, uh, deaf players that my dad coached at Georgia School for the Deaf over, you know, over 25 years. And I made note too, Jim, that in those segregated South down there, you can imagine 
that there was no payment for dad's services. Every year That's at right. the end of the year, the principal, Mr. Purdue, would say, Coach Glenn, you did a good job. Shake his hand. And that was all the pay what? that he received oh, for 20 oh, years wow. of coaching. But that's, and I just grew up in that environment that I was able to go and participate. But it wasn't about money. It was about love of the game, love of culture, love of the people that really promoted me, I think, in mathematics as well as in other things I've done in life. Thank you very much. Wow, what an awesome story. we got to squeeze in a quick timeout, but we're going to continue with Mike Stinger Glenn. He has settled very comfortably into the Legends Chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We're coming right back on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome. And we welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Great to have you with us, and we are really thrilled to have sitting in the Legends chair, Mike Stinger Glenn. Of course, a 10-year NBA veteran, and as we talked during the first segment, has done remarkable work following his NBA career. And, uh, Mike, I want to circle back to your work with the deaf uh, in running basketball camps. Uh, that is just unbelievable. It's extraordinary to me. And tell our listeners more about that and, and how communication works with youngsters who can't hear learning the game of basketball where communication is such a key. I, I find it fascinating. Tim, thank you very much, man. It's something very, very dear to my heart. I would come back to the deaf school in the falls and tell them about going to camp, and I would ask them did they go to a basketball camp, and they said, no, we're deaf. We, don't have, we can't communicate. There's no camp for deaf kids. So it's something I had in the back of my mind since high school, and as a member of the Knicks, the PR director, Kevin Kennedy, came to me and said, Mike, uh, they want you to go to this deaf tournament that they're having out on Long Island where the schools in the area are playing, and I know about your background. Would you like to go? I said, absolutely. And I went there and introduced myself in sign language, and the fans automatically say, oh, one of the Knicks is deaf. Look at him. He's used to sign language. He's deaf. One of the Knicks is deaf. So, of course, I explained about my dad and my background, and I explained to them that one day I had a goal of starting a basketball camp where deaf kids could participate. Wow. And this wow. was in 1980. And they said, why don't you have your camp right here? I said, okay, let's do it. And I started the nation's first major summer basketball camp. We had about 30 kids from New York, New Jersey area that summer. And it just grew. I mean, pro athletes would come and donate their time. And the deaf kids would love it. They could take pictures. And they were so proud that somebody was recognizing them. I say we were deaf when deaf wasn't cool. Because then there were no interpreters that you see at political things or anywhere else. You were just deaf and ostracized. And it was a chance for me to share my world with them the way they had with me. And each summer, it just continued. They continued to grow. And, and I looked up now. It's been 40 years that I have been doing this camp. And some deaf kids, deaf players, and their kids have come through. And we get kids from all across the nation that wow. come 
every summer, and it means so much to these deaf kids to have nowhere else to go. They love the game as much as anyone, and it has just been a joy of my life. So, so it's all done in sign language, but they anticipate, they hear, they look for screens, and they, they don't need to yell. And much of sports is sign language. Look at the third base coaches. Look at, look at everybody, yeah. how much sign language is used in sports. So it's kind of natural for them. They don't have a problem with it. And I'll just mention my most successful camper, a kid named Willie Brown, went on to play major college basketball at Hofstra for two years and his last two years at Georgia State. He had a little trial with the pros and the CBA. Now he's a successful referee in the state of Georgia. He does some of the wow. state tournament. I'm so proud of wow. him. Wow. And those coaches told me, Mike, I just want the guy to call me a good game. He don't have to communicate <laughs> with it. Call me a good game. And that's what Willie does. And so I'm very proud oh. of him and the camp and how many kids, thousands, have come through my camp over those 40 years. Thank you. Oh, it's extraordinary. Jim? I'm looking at this bio, Mike. I don't know where to begin, but this is a two-part question. You won the Walter P. Kennedy Citizens Award, which is a very prestigious award uh, through the NBA Players Association, for a movie called The Spirit of Love, where you were an actor in the movie. It was the Bike Glenn story, am I right? Yes, sir. You are correct. Thanks, Jim. (laughs) Yes, I mean, and it just went over real well. Of course, I could play myself very successfully there in the movie, but we showed (laughs) so much of the things of the camp, and we won awards for it and had fun doing it. It's a lot of work doing a movie, I might add, but uh, (laughs) yes, indeed. So it was fun doing that movie of, of myself and principally about the camp, and I was very honored to received the NBA Citizenship Award and the Players Association Spirit of Love Award, which that was the name of the movie. We named it after that award, The Spirit of Love, the Mike Mm. Glenn story, yes. Oh, it's great. Again, we're talking with Mike Stinger Glenn as he sits in the Legends chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. And, Mike, one more aspect of your uh, off-the-court, post-basketball career. Uh, I love history. I love reading about history. And Mm -hmm. uh, in reading about you, I know you are an absolute expert, per se, uh, in African-American history here in the United Mm -hmm. States, uh, artifacts and books and so forth. Mm -hmm. What drove that interest, and how do you now accumulate these artifacts and books and the like? Thanks again, Tim. Before I sure enjoyed talking with you guys, thank you all so much. Let me say that first, that's a, <laughs> that I am enjoying you very much. But, yes, my mom had majored in, in history and social studies, and my sister taught uh, history at, at almost every HBCU in the southeast, and Clark, Morehouse, Marshbound, Bramlin, all those different schools. Alcorn and, State. Uh, Don't forget Alcorn State. Yes. <laughs> Oh, okay. Not quite Alcorn. That's, I'm surprised she didn't teach at Alcorn. <laughs> but that's one of the few that she didn't. But Tuskegee also and, and all the ones here in Atlanta, of course. But uh, And I started reading and accumulating. I'd always read and accumulated books. But I first found out about first edition books like in 97. I said, what? Oh, I got to start getting those. And I started accumulating slave narratives from Frederick Douglass and books about Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. And the uh, collection started to grow. And I met Charles Bloxon, who is over the Bloxon Collection at Temple University in Philadelphia. And he's been a mentor and a friend and has always encouraged me, keep 
collected Mike every time I go to Philly. I'll meet with Mr. Blackson. That's how he would leave our conversation. Keep collecting, Mike. Keep collecting. And before I knew it, Jim and Tim, I owned thousands of first edition rare books. And I said, I've got to do something with this knowledge in these books to let them ex- inspire people like they were meant to do. And so that's what I started doing, having book exhibits across the country, and I added newspapers and magazines and primary source materials, and they could see a newspaper from first from the Emancipation Proclamation oh, that was on January. The newspaper was from January 2nd, 1863, and of course Lincoln signed that on January 1st, 1863, and having that actual newspaper impacted people. This was from that date? Whoa! Yeah. And then yeah. what did it say? And it inspired so many people to know the true story story of history and learn from the true story because so much is distorted and told and hid. So I wanted to help truth to rise up like Dr. King would say, truth crush the earth will rise again. So uh, I've collected, I've had exhibits across the country. I've done over 35 exhibits in many states, all the way as far as California, New Mexico, and New York, and many in the state of Georgia, Indiana, Illinois. And uh, I enjoy sharing that information. And everybody loves it. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, young, old, male, female, religions, everybody loves the history. And I do, oh, yeah, I do one on sports, too. <laughs> and, so, and everybody loves that learning about Jackie Robinson. Robinson, Joe Lewis, Wilma Rudolph, Molino, the first great athlete in American history who fought for a world title on December 18, 1810. I have the London Times newspaper from the day after the fight. Uh, so oh these God. things wow. are just so fascinating to people to see the pictures, the images, the the documents, uh, that they love them. And I continue to enjoy sharing those things and uh, educating people. When Jim and I get back on the road, can we stop by the house and see all this? <laughs> Absolutely. I would Absolutely. love to. take it over my house, guys. I have to push books aside so I can get in the bed. But, yes, I'd love to have you guys here. <laughs> oh, I would love to see that. Wow, that's just fascinating. Well, Mike, this has been an unbelievable conversation. Uh, I have enjoyed it immensely. And, Jim, again, a great big thank you to you for uh, lining up Mike Glenn. This was just extraordinary. Thank you, sir, for coming on. My pleasure. I enjoyed you guys. And, Jim, always a pleasure. I've always no, looked up mine. to you, man. I want you to know that. I have no, to tell these you. guys, you have to share with people the gratitude that you have for what they've contributed. And I just want Jim to know that. I always looked up to him and still do. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank we you, appreciate Mike. it. I, Mike, I'll call you later. Call you later. Thank you okay. very much. My pleasure. God bless. Good day, guys. Mike Stinger Glenn. Boy, what an extraordinary story. We've got more coming up on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. The Drew Joyce Classic, in partnership with the Cavaliers, will be held June 25th through the 27th in downtown Cleveland. This premier U.S. travel basketball tournament features boys and girls in 2nd to 11th grades. Teams will compete for a championship in their age group and showcase their ability to compete at a higher level. Learn more about the tournament at DrewJoyceClassic.com. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll have more of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Trey Young back with it. Goes in the lane to John Collins and he jams. 
That's one way to snap out of it. A beautiful pass from Trey Young to the Duncan Deacon. Trey dribbling in the middle, drives the lane. Goes all the way through, brings it back out. Now into the left corner. Now he makes a move on Ibaka. Pull up jump shot is good by Trey. Here comes Trey with a bounce pass nicely to John Collins who jams. He threaded the needle as we like to say. And we welcome you back to Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And again, great work on the other side of the glass. Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone. They're the ones who actually make Jim and I sound pretty good every week on Cavs HQ. And, well, you talk about a guy that sounds really good, the longtime voice of the Atlanta Hawks, Steve Holman, now stops by to pay us a visit as we'll talk a little Atlanta basketball and, of course, the uh, Hawks and the Knicks in a Real intriguing first-round matchup. Uh, that gets underway later tonight, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that one, and Steve will give us a preview of that. So, Steve, uh, 36 years as the voice of the Atlanta Hawks, is that correct? Yeah, just uh, wrapping up uh, season 36. I hope it lasts for a little while longer before uh, we end season 36. <laughs> Well, let's talk about this season, season uh, 2021. Uh, boy, the, the Hawks make a coaching change uh, midway or earlier in the year, and Nate McMillan takes over, and all of a sudden, this team takes off. Uh, what happened when Nate McMillan took the reins? Well, it, it's interesting. I, I, I like to tell people that we had two different seasons this season. You know, we had the first season where uh, they ended up 14-20 and 20, uh, under the old administration, and then now 27 and 11 under wow. the Nate McMillan administration since he took over. And I think the amazing thing about it is the players, you know, bought into Nate right away. They know that he was an outstanding player in the NBA for many years. Uh, they know that he's been a head coach of the NBA for 15 years. And I think they really just started to believe that was his message. And that's the T-shirt that the players wear right now. It says believe on it. And that's the message that he sent. Because out of those first 20 games that they lost when they were 14 and 20 when they made the coaching change, 11 of the 20 losses were games that they had leads in the fourth quarter. Ooh. So that's a lot of games to lose when you have a lead in the fourth. And it totally just turned around when Nate took over. And uh, it's, it's been amazing. And, and they've had several games where they've been down 15 points in the fourth quarter and come back to win. So a, a total turnaround. Uh, the guys have bought in. Uh, Nate has been phenomenal. And uh, it's just been a, you know, a feel, I think, that he has and a touch. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to put your finger on. But I think one of the things, although it sounds simple, is that he knows how to take timeouts. He knows when to take timeouts. And I think that's been critical. I mean, he just can, he can slow things down and call a timeout and get things back on track and the guys steady down. And uh, I think that's been one of the really big things with, with Nate. You know, you're exactly right, Steve, but it takes player experience to have that kind of feel for the game. There's a lot of our great coaches have acquired that, like Popovich and, and, and a few other guys, but it still is rare. One of the things I thought that, that really helped your turnaround with Nate is that he challenged uh, Trey Young. You know, I couldn't stand to watch him play with Pierce. I just felt this guy had so much ability, but he was just playing for himself. He felt he had to make the, the, the big shot. I've got to do it. He just wasn't playing with his teammates. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Nate has really, uh, you know, he's, he's done a great job with Trey. And, and, and to Trey's credit, too, I think he it realizes that, uh, you know, he needed to sacrifice some points for the good of the team. And uh, I think it proved out that he, you know, he ended up right near the top in assists this year. He, he ended up 9.4 assists per game, uh, which 
has the highest he's been since the three years he's been in the league. So, and I, and I do credit Nate with that. He's made him the, you know, quote, floor general. He's, uh, he's tried to convince him that, uh, you know, you have to, uh, if some guy's made three shots in a row, you have to go ahead. And that's my dog, Gowdy, by the way, in the background. So, um, but so you have to, if, if a guy's yeah. made three shots in a row, you have to keep feeding him. You know, you don't get away from that. So I think that's one of the things that, um, that he's really uh, worked with Trey on and, and, and made it um, made it much better for him. Speaking of feeding, you better feed that dog or he's going to keep barking for us. <laughs> he's, he's barking at somebody walking by who's sitting out on the porch. That's my dog, Gowdy, by the way. Named he's after Kurt Gowdy, I assume, who, correct? Who, yes, he was my first boss. Yes. Uh, when I started out right? the radio, he was uh, he owned the radio station. So We're going to get to that during the second part of the interview, okay. uh, your, your start in broadcasting. So as soon as you said Gowdy, I'm like, he named his dog after Kurt Gowdy. But again, we're talking with Steve Holman, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Hawks. And Steve, we've been talking about Coach McMillan and the, and the turnaround with Atlanta uh, once he became the head coach. And people love to refer to Nate McMillan as old school. How do you how do you define old school? What did Nate bring that was old school, quote unquote? Well, I, you know, play the game right. I think that's one of the things that he came in and, and brought that message was to you know play the game the right way. And I and I think the players and, and Jim, you mentioned that uh, you know they they respect the fact that he played and uh, was a hard nosed player himself. And I think guys have realized that. And uh, some of the things that he's done too, uh, like during this week that they've had practice every day he had a scrimmage a five on five i think it was wednesday and he had the local referees come in and told them not to call any fouls <laughs> just to get them used to what's going to happen in the playoffs wow. uh and i think that they said it became very heated uh at the I practice and uh i think that was a tremendous thing that happened and uh you know he spoke out after that practice nate did too and he got a little fine from the nba but uh, you know, I think I think it was money well spent, if you know what I mean. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> to me, the Hawks Knicks first round matchup is one of the most intriguing matchups uh, because they're both great stories with the way things turned around in Atlanta once Nate came in or, or took over, and obviously what Thibodeau has done in New York. Uh, size it up for us, Steve. How do you see it from the Atlanta perspective? Well, I you know I think. If the Hawks have a, have an advantage in this, it is the fact that the second unit is now healthy, and I, I think the second unit for the Hawks, when you look at it, with Lou Williams running the show, and and you've got guys like Danilo Gallinari coming off the bench, Tony Snell now coming off the bench. I think it's a a, a perfect uh, a perfect second unit, and and it's a second unit that I think is probably as good as a lot of first units uh, that are. Uh, in the NBA right now. So I think that's going to be an advantage for the Hawks. And, uh, you know, people talk about the, the lack of experience the core guys have. Uh, I, I think that's going to be offset a little bit, too, by Lou, who has experience in the playoffs. You've got Solomon Hill, who was in the finals last year. Clint Capella, who has been, you know, phenomenal on defense, he played a lot of games, too, with the Houston Rockets. And that's one of the real uh, keys to the season for the Hawks has been Clint Capella. And, uh, you know, thank God Mike D'Antoni was the coach of the, uh, the Houston Rockets at the time and didn't want a center. Uh, you know, he just wanted to shoot threes. So uh, we've been the beneficiary of that. Well, you know, one of the things I was looking at is that I pick you guys to beat the Knicks. You know, everybody wants New York to win. So I understand where Nate was coming with his comments. 
trying to give his team a little incentive, but also trying to let the league and maybe the officiating know that, come on now, guys, you know, you know, give us a fair shot. On paper, I, I think you're easily the best shot, uh, the best team to beat them because they defend and they control that pace of the game with their defense. But the way that you're playing offensively, Steve, it's been beautiful to watch. You've been the hottest team closing the season, seven out of eight games you won, and nobody's talking about you. I think that's a great position to be in for an up to, to upset the Knicks. Yeah, I think so, too. And and the, the the thing is, they've had the best record since March 1st in the NBA, and nobody's really noticed it. And, and, the, right. and the funny thing was, I mean, and, and you guys go through this in Cleveland, too, like we are here, I mean, they had 16 so-called experts on ESPN make their picks on ESPN.com, <laughs> and out of the 16, 14 of them picked the Knicks. Uh, yep. And I think out of those 14 that picked the Knicks, you know, how many of them would even know any of the Hawks? I mean, I, I think Stephen A. Smith could ride an elevator with three Hawks and not know who any of them were. <laughs> I mean, that's true. You know, how many that's games? True. How many games do you think any of those people have watched the Atlanta Hawks this year? Yeah, you're Probably not glamorous not. enough. Or maybe yeah, the three when they played the Knicks. Now. Sure, you're not <laughs> glamorous enough. Yep. Yeah, you're not glamorous enough. You yep. know how that is. You're exactly right. All right, we're going to sneak ahead, in a real quick timeout where we're having a great conversation with Steve Holman. He's the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Hawks. We're talking Atlanta Hawks, New York Knicks. And we'll delve into a Steve's radio career when we come back after this on Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And again, great to have with us this week Steve Holman, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Hawks, in his 36th year calling basketball for Atlanta. Now, Steve, I mentioned before the break I wanted to talk to you about your radio career because before I moved to Ohio when I was in high school, I lived in New England. And uh, lo and behold, looking at that bio of one Steve Holman, uh, you're a New England guy. Uh, but the a fascinating story here is that your NBA debut came on a night you were sitting with Johnny Most and the legendary voice of the Celtics lost his voice. And so you just stepped yeah. in and start calling the game? Right. I mean, those were, you know, those were the days Tim, that, you know, we didn't have uh analyst like Jim around and right. uh, you know that was basically an engineer there was Johnny Most and there was me keeping score for him and bringing him his English oval cigarettes and <laughs> you know and uh, and uh, he was using a stick bike at the time and uh, it, uh, I remember it I still have it I, I have it on my phone by the way I have that uh, that moment when it happened but it was 1976 and uh, the Celtics were playing the Denver Nuggets and Dan Issel and those guys and uh, Johnny, in the third quarter, uh, started to have some voice trouble, and he just said, uh, you know, and uh, now I'm uh, having a little voice trouble, and now uh, Steve, Steve Holman's going to call me the game. And he handed me the stick bike. I was 22 years old. I mean, uh, wow. Wow. You know, I had prepared. My, this is crazy, but I know a lot of guys that are broadcasters that are kind of the same thing. Since I was eight years old, I listened to Johnny and wanted to be Johnny Moe. There you yep. And uh, so I knew all of the taglines and everything else. I, 
you know, it was on WBZ, the yep, 50,000 watt station yep. that went into 38 states in Canada. And uh, I knew all the, all that, but you know, it was just such a, a surprise to get that. I got, I got through the game. Okay. I did fine. And then it ended. And I was like, Oh my goodness. What have I just done? You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, and then they, then they called after the game and said, uh, can you fly to Detroit tomorrow to do the game tomorrow night in Detroit? I was like, well, of course I could fly to Detroit, you know, and it was back, uh, you know, when we flew commercials, so they had to get me a ticket and this and that, and the other thing. And, uh, That's uh, awesome. So it was a crazy time. And uh, it all started by working for Kurt Gowdy. Uh, you already heard from my little friend Gowdy here, but uh, when I was in high school, Kurt Gowdy owned a radio station in Lawrence, Massachusetts, where yep. I, where yep. I grew up. And uh, they would let me go in there after high school days and practice. And they put me on weekends when somebody got drafted in 1971. And uh, I do everything. I played records. I did uh, did the news. I did uh, swap shop shows and everything else. So wow. uh, I got to, to do that. And the first thing I did was get my pass to go to the garden. There you go. And I got uh, courage up to meet Johnny Most. And then eventually he let me keep score for him. And like I say, get his cigarettes and everything else. So <laughs> that's how it all it all started, and when, when I was between my junior and senior year in high school, uh, they decided to make me full-time that summer, and uh, they called me into Kurt Gowdy's office, you know, who at the time was like the, the biggest thing in, in sports. Oh, he I mean, did he everything. the World yeah. Series, the Super Bowl, yep. NCAA yes, championships. I mean, he was doing everything, uh, you know, including the American sportsman and the wide world of sports and all that stuff. So I went into his office, and uh, he said, uh, Stevie, uh, we're going to make you full-time. I said, well, thank you, Mr. Gowdy. That's terrific. Thank you. He said, it's 110 a week and all the records you can steal. <laughs> <laughs> that is small market well, was, radio at its best. There you go. That's how it all started. Now, when you filled in for most, did you drop in a hot potato, hot potato, who's got the hot potato? <laughs> did you use that one? <laughs> no, I didn't do the hot potato. I, I think I may have stuck in a tricky dribble, though, uh, which, which I still use now, you know, from Johnny. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, I took a lot of what, what Johnny did. And, uh, Jim, you'll know how he used to be about players that played against the Celtics. And, oh, you know, a lot of those games goodness. weren't on TV, so he had the oh, theater and the goodness. radio. And uh, he made it the good guys against the bad guys. Sure and that's did. the way yes, he, he did. He taught me. And I guess maybe sometimes a little bit of that comes out in me and the officials. <laughs> type thing too and uh but uh but he was a terrific mentor to me and uh you know he made me want to be a johnny most or a chick hearn or you know or joe or, or you know or al mccoy any of the guys that have been lifers with teams uh that's what i set out to do i wanted to be that guy and uh you know the way it turns out now uh when we have fans in the in the buildings uh the, the best thing for me is when a, somebody in their 30s or, you know, or 40s will come up to me with their with one of their kids, uh, either their son or their daughter, and they'll say, can we have a picture? Because then they would tell their son or daughter, you know, I used to listen to Mr. Holman every night uh, when I would go to bed and listen to the games. So uh, that, that's to me, is that, that makes me very happy when they do that. Well, it should. And one of the things that made me happy, remember when we started having those uh, broadcast meetings up in New York? And I remember uh, I was always late getting in there, and I'm always looking for a place to sit. And I don't know if you remember, but for three of those uh, broadcast meetings, for three years, I would always find you, Al McCoy, and Ralph Lawler sitting in a certain area, usually off to the side. And so I started either sitting in front of you 
or in the same row or just behind you just so I could hear what you guys were talking about because uh, <laughs> you, was, cause you were such yeah, they, great at that. Uh, we you had a guys, lot of fun at those meetings, Jim. But, I know uh, you did. Uh, I'm not so sure mo- that, that, that the, the league people appreciated us, but uh, I know we they did. <laughs> I, know, I know that because the one thing I remember is that we were all sitting there and, and you were doodling and Ralph was falling asleep off and on and <laughs> Al had his legs crossed and Al was looking like, God. You know, he, dang it, what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden he looks at me, he said, Chonzy, let's get out of this place and go get a damn cocktail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we were, we were basically sitting there and, 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 to get to the, uh, the hospitality suite. You know, that was the, <laughs> that was the goal of sitting through those meetings. But uh, we had fun with them, uh, you know, uh, the people that ran the league back then, Brian McIntyre and those guys and, uh, it was it was a, a lot of it was at a time when we were just starting to move. I mean, you guys have the greatest spot in the world in Cleveland because of Joe, and he he decided that he wanted to sit there. But that was back in the days when we all sat on the floor, and now we sit in, you know, Tim, you know how bad oh. it is in a lot of places that we <laughs> yeah. uh, have yeah. to sit in. And uh, back then it was just starting to happen. And, and at the old forum in L.A., I remember um, they were talking about the broadcast location and how bad it was. And I remember saying at the meeting and. Uh, it didn't go over too big with the NBA people, but I said, you know, uh, where Chick sits, he can't see the game. Where we sit, we can't see Chick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Great line. Well, Steve, I got to tell you, this has been a real joy to have you on. I mentioned before we rolled here that uh, we've had some of the legendary NBA voices join us for Cavs HQ, and you certainly fit in that category. Yes, you and, do. Yes, you do. Uh, by all means, uh, let's hope this is the first of uh, several appearances with Jim and I. We'd really appreciate it. And, man, this was a lot of fun. Oh Thank sure, you. anytime, Tim and, I, and Jim. I, I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing you guys again. I can't wait till next season when I think we're all going to be back to normal with traveling and yeah. all the rest of it. And uh, you know, I, I guess you know the one thing too is we all miss Joe, and uh, I think about yes, him often. Yep, no doubt. Okay, my Steve, friend. we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Steve Holmes. All right, thank you, guys. Radio voice of the Atlanta Hawks joining us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. We'll have more after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Boy, we hope you enjoyed the look back to a couple of real legends that sat in the legends chair earlier this season. Jerry Lucas and, of course, Mike Breen. And all the thanks goes out to Jim Jones as far as lining those two guys up. They were fabulous. And throughout the summer, we will have uh, some of those archived interviews to bring to you on the weekly edition of Cavs HQ because they were fantastic conversations. Many people to thank, of course, Jim Jones on the other side of the window, Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone. Biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. We hope you have a very safe and happy Memorial Day weekend for what's left of it. And again, we look forward to bringing you Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams throughout the rest of the summer. So until we talk again, Jim Elkhorn saying thanks for listening. And so long, everybody. Cavs HQ was brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome.